Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for today develop a theme that, quite frankly, is uncomfortable. Here it is. Authentically religious people, authentically spiritual people, will always be opposed. So not sometimes, not most of the time, always. The logic behind it is simple and really unanswerable. Namely, we live in a world gone wrong. We live in a world that's turned upside down. Therefore, when someone comes speaking the truth to us, they'll think that we're the ones who are crazy and dangerous. Does that make sense? So in a world that's backwards, upside down, when we come with the right perspective, with God's perspective, they'll think we're crazy and indeed dangerous. Now, the first reading speaks, it's a really clear example of this, of the prophet Jeremiah. Can I encourage everybody, take out your Bibles and read the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Now, it's a little difficult. You can't read that in one sitting. It's a little obscure, like a lot of the prophetic books, but what an experience to sit there and read through this book. And I'd say this, the moment you're tempted to consider the prophetic life as somehow glamorous or rewarding, I'd invite you to read any two pages of the prophet Jeremiah. What will you find? You'll find the typical fate of the prophets is rejection, suffering, exile, and in extreme cases, execution. Now, we're not absolutely sure about this, but very likely Jeremiah was killed in Egypt. When he left with some of the um, Jerusalemites and he went to uh, Egypt, he was killed there. His life was tough enough, and it ended most likely in that extreme violence. Again, again, it should not be surprising. Those who speak the word of God in a world gone crazy will themselves be considered insane and dangerous. That's our basic principle. Now, Jeremiah's unhappy vocation was to tell Israel to surrender to the Babylonians. Now, that's the central drama of the book, is Babylon is threatening Israel, right? And the word that God gives to Jeremiah is, Israel should surrender. Now, as you can imagine, this cut against all their patriotic instincts, but listen, even their religious instincts. You know, come on, Israel is, is the nation of Yahweh. Yahweh is the, is the great warrior God. Conquered the Egyptians, conquered the Philistines. What do you mean, surrender? Can you imagine what would happen if a preacher today or a priest today encouraged America to surrender to the Russians or surrender to ISIS? I mean, trust me, he would not be Mr. Popularity. But see, here's the point. Jeremiah was listening not to popular opinion, 
not to the ruminations of the cultural elite, not to the political or military establishment. And mind you, he was right there in Jerusalem among the most influential, powerful people in the country. He knew all these people, but he wasn't listening to them. He was listening to God. And this meant, at the end of the day, almost everybody hated him. And so we hear, listen from the reading today. In those days, the princes said to the king, so the princes are all these you know, highfalutin people around the king. They knew Jeremiah. He was in their circles. In those days, the princes said to the king, Jeremiah ought to be put to death. He's demoralizing the soldiers who are left in the city and all the people by saying such things to them. He's not interested in the welfare of our people, but in their ruin. Now, what I want you to hear in this is, how sensible this would have sounded. So here they are, you know, Israel, the chosen people of God. They're under threat from a foreign power. And their cultural and military and political elites are trying to get the people roused up so they can defend themselves. And here's this crazy prophet who's saying, we should surrender. Well, listen to them again. He's demoralizing the soldiers and all the people by saying such things. He's not interested in the people, but in their ruin. Yeah, that would have made perfect sense in the culture of their time. Indeed, so convincing did this seem that the king turned Jeremiah over to his enemies. They took Jeremiah and they threw him into a cistern and left him for dead. Wow. Fun being a prophet, huh? Great vocation. You know, follow what God wants you to do. Well, if you follow it all the way, where does he end up? Not at the top of society, he ends up at the very bottom, in the literal sense, at the bottom of a cistern. Now, now, let's bring this up to date. Okay, think for just a moment. What would happen to you if you consistently and publicly spoke the word of God to our culture? If you spoke out clearly against abortion, against euthanasia, against assisted suicide, against human trafficking, against rampant materialism, against ideological secularism, etc., what would happen? If you presented in a full-throated way the full range of Catholic social, moral, and spiritual teaching, what would they do to you? Trust me when I tell you, they would throw you in some version of Jeremiah's cistern. Right? Maybe not literally, but the cultural elite of our time would do exactly what the cultural elite of Jeremiah's time did. They would find a way to get you off the scene, to get you out of the picture. And keep something else in mind. This was Jeremiah's fate, even in the context of a fundamentally believing, indeed, theocratic culture. So this is ancient Israel. Everyone believed in God, pretty much. It was a theocracy. The king was ruling in the name of God. A culture where everyone, at least in principle, more or less believed the same things. My point is, how much tougher it is in our radically secular and pluralistic society, how tough it is to be a prophetic voice. Okay, so with Jeremiah now in the background, listen to Jesus in our gospel for today. Jesus, who is the prophet of prophets, not just one more speaker of the truth, but himself the truth spoken. He says, I have come to light 
a fire on the earth and how I wish it were already blazing. Don't even try, everybody, to domesticate this language, to turn this into some bland metaphor about illumination or something. What he's talking about here is a devouring fire, something I must say I've become much more attuned to since moving to California. You know, this time of year, especially, we have a lot of uh, brush fires in the hills. In fact, not far from where I live. Just a few weeks ago, I witnessed the beginning of one of these brush fires, and I saw the planes coming immediately, you know, to put it out. As I record these words, there's a terrible fire going near San Bernardino. I've learned a lot about these devouring fires. That's what he's talking about. I've come to set the earth on fire, how I wish it were already blazing. Jesus' word, like it or not, everybody, burns things up. It reduces things to cinders. It clears things out. A get-along attitude is never what Jesus is calling for. See, don't mistake the call to love for a, a bland indifferentism. I mean, love, love is to will the good of the other. I mean, therefore, to, to speak a word of love is a fiery word because it's going to clear out all that stands opposed to it. Pope Francis says to the young people, make a mess. Well, Jesus doesn't want better. Light a fire. It's an incendiary call. Now, just so we don't miss the meaning, he adds, do you think I've come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. And we say, all right, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. This is Jesus we're talking about here, right? What in the world could this mean? He's come not for peace. I thought he was the prince of peace. What do you mean he's come for division? Isn't that the worst thing? We hate it when politicians divide us. We hate it when you know, a divisive word is spoken. Well, well, think again about one of those California brush fires, those wildfires. They clear out huge amounts of brush and trees and thereby allow all kinds of new things to grow and flourish. So longtime Californians will show me parts of the landscape that have really come to life. Why? Because a fire once burned there. A fire cleared out a lot of the dead wood and underbrush that allowed things to grow. Okay. In order to establish God's kingdom on earth, Jesus has to destroy certain things. He has to clear out certain things. He has to burn away the false forms of order and community that hold sway. These are things that are, to use the biblical phrase, under judgment, and they are met with the divine wrath. Now, again, I know, I know, everyone today is uneasy with this idea that God is angry, that God is wrathful. But I'll tell you, the Bible is not uneasy with that idea. The Bible employs it all the time, Old Testament and New but see, again, in light of what I'm saying, do we get it? This is not opposed to the divine love. See, because love necessarily involves passionate opposition to what works evil in the other. Does that make sense? If love is willing the good of the other, then it stands opposed passionately to what's working evil in the other. To set one's face is to set one's back. 
to be for something is necessarily to be against something else. See, if, if you're not against anything, well, then you're not for anything, you know? So, oh, I just get along with everybody. Well, well, la-di-da, but then you're not for anything. You're not, you're not standing, uh, facing anything with conviction. My point here is that God's wrath in the Bible is simply, if you want to put it this way, the dark side of his mercy. It is his passion to set things right. And in that passion, he burns certain things away. Now, look how far all this goes as far as Jesus is concerned. Listen as he goes on. From now on, a household of five will be divided. Three against two and two against three. And then he lays out just what this might look like. Father against son. Son against father. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, etc. Well, what does he mean here? He means that forms of false community have to give way in order for the true community to emerge. False ultimates have to surrender to the true ultimate. The one who speaks this word is the prophet. And remember, though, everybody, the one who dares to light a fire on the earth will meet the prophet's fate. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.